God called Abraham on a journey. He called him out of uh, worshiping idolatry because that's what his family did. That's what, he, that's what he knew. And he called him out of that and says, you know, Abraham, I want you to leave your hometown and I want you to go to another place and I'm gonna show you. And by faith, that is a key word, by faith, Abraham obeyed and listened to the voice of God, whether it was in an audible sense or whether it was in his heart, in his mind, in his soul, in his spirit. And so just like Abraham, uh, I believe God calls us on a journey. So during this series, in order to apply this message from Abraham, you need to think about the journey that God has you on or the journey that you know you need to start walking. There might be an area in your life where God's saying, okay, I, I really want this area, some, some improvements need to be made. And you know what those areas are. And, and so God is not doing it in a condemning way. He's saying, look, I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna help you. I wanna help you and let me help you. And the way to, to, to allow me to help you is it just leave your current you know, situation, leave it there, and then start traveling with me as, as we walk along. And when I say leave it there, I mean stop doing the same things that um, that, that area is causing. And, uh, and so leave some of those habits and leave some of those, um, that lifestyle or whatever it may be and travel with the Lord on a journey. And just like uh, Abraham's journey, we're learning that every journey has a, has a covenant on both sides. God, God has, a, has a promise to, to have improvements in areas in your life. And he can with his strength and with his power and his might. But there's also a promise that we have to make. We have to promise that, Lord, we're gonna obey, we're gonna walk, we're gonna go to that journey. There's also a period of patience. We've gotta be patient with that. We, we've talked about how there was 25 years between the promise of God that he would be able to have a son and when it actually happened. And so there's a waiting period on that because if you're not patient, then you will be tempted to take matters in your own hands. I, I don't know about you, I've done that many times where I have taken matters in my own hands because I was tired of waiting. God is saying, look, be patient. Be patient with your spouse. Be patient with your kids. Be patient in your current situation. Just walk with me and we're gonna do this together. And more importantly, be patient with me. God is saying that. And be patient with yourself because during this journey, you're gonna make mistakes. You're gonna make mistakes. And you're gonna wanna settle for, for, for second best. During this journey, you think, okay, uh, for instance, if if your, your journey, if your destination is a, a better financial situation, and you may say, okay, I have a budget. Okay, good. Uh, I think I'm good. I'm settling here. Well, God is saying, nah, we're not there yet. And so don't settle for that. Whatever the area, marriage or health or, or relationships or, or how, you, how you treat others, whatever area in your life that God has called you on a journey. But know this, just like Abraham, we will fail at times. There will be times that we will fail. Last week, we learned about how Abram, went, during a famine in the land, he, he escaped that with this, his whole household and, and his, his, uh, all of his servants, you know, and, and his livestock, everything, and he went to Egypt, and um, he was afraid that they were gonna kill him because his wife was pretty hot, 
okay? And he's like, okay, look, honey, you're really, really good looking. And so if they know that you're my wife, they're gonna kill me and take you. So why don't you just say, you know, you're my sister, okay? That'd be great. And so, um, so they went that direction and we learned last week um, that Pharaoh uh, and his household had um, some sort of disease that God put on them and Pharaoh's like, hey, why did you tell me this, uh, this before? Why did you tell me she was your wife and, and, and rather than your sister? Look what you caused. And, and so, but it was a failing moment. God gave Abraham a test. Look, there's gonna be times in your life it's gonna be tough. There's gonna be famines in your life. And God is saying, look, don't, don't try to escape that. Trust in me. Trust in me. I could just imagine Abram showing up at his land and then a few years later, there's a famine and he's going, well, this is awful. This is, this is like buying ocean property in Arizona. You know, I mean, this is awful. This is, this is not what, what I envisioned my land. And so he, he escapes from that. And God is saying, no, no, no. Look, if you just trust in me, I will take care of you. But he went on to Egypt, took matters into his own hands and failed his first test, a big F. But even with that, but here's the deal. The Lord with perfect foreknowledge of Abram's good and bad choices, chose him to be an example of genuine faith. God knew that he was gonna do that, yet he called Abram. God knows that you are going to fail some, some test, that you are going to fall and that you are going to stumble, but yet God is calling you to do great things. God is calling you to press on and go to a destination he's called, he, he wants you to go to in whatever area in your life. So don't think that, oh, God, is, God can't use me because of my past, because of what I've done. Or you might be on your journey and say, I'm on this journey of, of, of you know, having a better marriage or, or you know, our relationships or better health or whatever it is. And you're on this journey and, and, you, and you fail, okay? You, you're, you're trying to prove your health but you go by the Krispy Kreme and you're like, ah, oh, yes. You know what I'm saying? And so you fail, but there's no reason to say, I'll give it up, forget about it. No, God is saying, look, I knew you were gonna stop by that Krispy Kreme. That's okay. I know you're trying to improve your health. That's okay. But listen, I love you and I want you to do better things with your body or whatever journey you might be on. That's just one example. So know this, that God, God knows you're going to fail, and, um, and, and, um, but yet he still calls you. You know, what we learned last week uh, regarding Abram's situation there with the land, you know, every, everyone faces a famine. We all face a famine in our life, whether, whether it be a doctor's report you know, that, that's negative. Or whether it be a, a divorce or, or a bad relationship or maybe a job that has, uh, you've been let go. You know, whatever those famines, those famines, we all go through them. But these experiences prompt a crisis of faith, challenging us to answer this question. In what do I trust? In who do I trust? Because famines, one thing about famines, and famines can provide an opportunity 
to take your relationship with God even further. That's what famines do. You lean into God. Okay, God is scary out here. Okay, I'm on my journey and things are going right. I've lost my job, but yet you call me, you know, to, to, to you know, take care of my family or, or whatever the situation may be. And, but, but I, need your, I need your guidance. I need your strength. You draw closer to the Lord. Everyone escapes, uh, tries to escape those famines. You, you, you're tempted to do that. You try to escape that. And, um, but those escapes contain a lie. When we seek to escape from the famine through our old familiar we- uh, uh, methods, we tell ourselves a lie. I can handle this without God. That's what Abram did. Abram's like, look, I made the journey from where I was down to here. I can make the journey to Egypt. Man, I'm getting out of here. And he took matters in his own hands. And so when that happens, that's when we sort of mess up and that's when failures uh, will happen. Our default, our default response competes with faith so that we trust in ourselves rather than rely upon God to protect us and provide for our needs. Another thing we learn is that every compromise jeopardizes someone we love. In this particular case, it was Sarai, uh, Abram's wife, who later would be called Sarah. Abram's wife, he hurt her going to Egypt and doing what he did. And one thing we gotta learn is no such thing, there's no such thing as victimless sin. Every sin that we do has a consequence, whether it could be us as a victim or it could be someone else, most likely someone we love and cherish in our life, could be a victim, even those sins that are private and we try to keep hidden. So know this, that just like Abram, we're gonna be tempted to do certain things. And, um, but don't try to do this on your own. Ask God to rely upon you, uh, to ask God to, for you to rely upon him and ask the Lord to give you strength, wisdom, and protection. And those famines are gonna happen. So that is basically where we are with Abram, with our journey. And as we continue on this journey, let me tell you, there's some things today that I'm I'm going to share that um, I believe, and I I know this, God speaks to me every time I prepare for my messages. You know, sometimes he'll he'll speak in spurts, you know, or all at once and just like a waterfall, sometimes just a, a little drop here and there throughout the week. But I really feel like God has a word for you today, for us as a church that's gonna fit exactly, not only with your journey, but with our journey as the church. So after the incident with Egypt, okay, and, and, and Pharaoh sent Abram with extra servants, you know, and blessed him even more and said, okay, just get out of here and, you know, I don't want this disease on, on here anymore. And so he, um, he went back to his land along with his wife and his possessions and his servants and his nephew Lot, Okay, so uh, as you can remember in the story, whenever he traveled to um, his new land, his nephew Lot uh, came with him. And so if we're in in Genesis chapter 13, verses five and six, it says this, uh, now Lot, 
who was moving about with Abram also had flocks and herds and tents, but the land could not support them while they stayed together, for their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. And then it goes on to say in verse uh, 14 uh, through 18, skip it down to verse 14, it says, the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had parted with him, look around from where you are to the north and south, to the east and to the west, all the land that you see, I will give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Go, walk through the length and breadth of the land for I'm giving it to you. So Abram went to live near the great trees of Mamre at Hebron where he pitched his tents there. He built an altar to the Lord. So what, what I want to share about this particular passage that I just read. So Abram and Lot, God was blessing them with many servants and, and livestock and just lots. I mean, they almost were, there were two towns of people just kind of living together. And it was just, it was crazy. It was a distraction. If you read this passage further on, it talks about how Abram's servants were getting into fights with, with Lot's servants and they were arguing. And so it was not a great thing. And so it became a distraction. There were huge distractions. So they decided, hey, look, we're going to part ways. And so uh, Lot looked down over towards Sodom and Gomorrah, which we'll talk about that later in a few weeks. He looked down towards Sodom and Gomorrah and says, you know what? I I like that area. That's lush and green. I'm going to pick that. And Abram actually gave him the first choice. And then Abram settled somewhere else. Still the same promised land, still the same area that God wanted to give to him. And so, but what I want to share with you is this, the distractions. Did you notice right after, right after they, um, they split up? In verse 14, the Lord said to Abram after Lot had parted from him. The Lord spoke. And this passage there that begins in verse 14, that section is a key section of verses in Abram's life. Now, now I don't know if, if Lot still stayed around and the distractions were still there. You know, probably God would have so spoken to him, I don't, I don't know, but he would have been heavily distracted. So my point is this, sometimes we need to get rid of the distractions in order to hear from God. We need to get rid of the, the distractions in order to hear from God. Now, in our house, we've got six distractions. Well, one's in college, but five are still around. And so we have five distractions in our house. We love those little distractions. Some are bigger, some are small. Some, some distractions are, are, you know, uh, pop out, uh, you know, stronger than others at certain times of the day and without medication, you know, if they didn't choose to you know, take it or whatever. And so we have, we, we have five little distractions in our house. And so we can't remove them. Although, you know, we've, we've, we've thought about that. You know, what if we ship them to a foreign country for a couple of years, you know, come back? I don't know. But so, so we, we have those distractions. We can't remove them, but here's what we can do. We can protect 
the time that we have with God. We can protect the time we have with God. We can ask God, Lord, speak to me when there's no distractions, when there are no distractions. And you might have different distractions, okay? Your distractions could be a barking dog next door, okay? Well, go for a walk, go somewhere else. Your distraction, you know, if you're, if you're trying to talk to God in traffic, all the people, you know, honking and giving you nice hand gestures, whatever that might be, you know, you're trying to drive to work. Whatever those distractions are, you might want to find a different time to spend time with the Lord. But whatever it is, God is telling us, Right here, as soon as that distraction was gone, God spoke to Abram. God spoke to Abram. And so maybe he's telling you, hey, you need to get some, dis- some distractions. Get rid of, get rid of them. If, you're, if your desire is to know where your journey is going, if that journey's a, a better marriage, better finances, a better emotional stability, how you treat, uh, treat others, you know, a better health, what, whatever that is, whatever God's called you to be, if you want to know the end journey, how to do this, you need to hear from God. You need to hear from God. And to hear from God, you need to get rid of the distractions. And just like Lot, Lot was a family member. He was a nephew. Sometimes you have to make tough choices and remove the distractions or remove yourself from the distraction. So that's, I believe that's what God wants to have, let you hear today um, with, with regard to distractions. So God told Abram to walk, in that next verse, God told Abram to walk the full length of his new land. He wanted Abram to become familiar with it and to see how God blessed him. You know, I can imagine Abraham going for a walk and and visualizing certain things about his land. It's like, oh, this would be a great place to put a house. And oh, look at that creek, how it runs just along here, the back part of the property. Or, you know, as he's walking. And and this is not just a couple of acres. (laughs) I mean, this is the the future nation of, of Israel. I mean, he took a lot of time to walk or to ride his donkey or whatever to go through this land. And I can just imagine the, the, the time that it took him to, to do that, what he was thinking to himself. Wow, this is amazing. And visualizing certain things and getting to know the land. And he, as he went back home, he probably told his wife, I, I, you know, I've, I've sketched out some areas in this land and here's what I found, and I can't wait to tell you about it. So he describes this land. He describes it. What is God telling us to do with that? I believe God is telling us, you need to walk your land. You need to walk your land. You need to become familiar with it. Let me give you some examples. If, if you want to improve finances, that means Get rid of debt, uh, control spending, set a budget, all that stuff. You, you can't just say, all right, I need to do those things. You need to walk the land. Walk the land means you need to sit down with people who've done a budget, maybe a financial advisor. Google it. You need to set that budget. You need to make a plan to get rid of the debt. You need to 
make a plan to control spending. You need to set up accountabilities. You need to set up those types of things in your life. And that is walking the lane. So, and here's the reason why. When people ask you, hey, how's it going with your finances? Because if you don't tell, if you don't tell people that, that that is an area you're trying to improve, you're not, no one's gonna hold you accountable. No one's holding you accountable. It, Abram, Abram walked the land. He traveled the land like God told him to. And I'm sure he told his, his family. He told his wife, he told his servants, look, I, I'm gonna go and I'm, it's gonna be a while. And, and when he came back, I'm sure they had tons of questions. And he answered those questions. If you're on a journey, walk the land. Be able to answer questions of people. Hey, how's how's that financial planning going? How's your debt going? Oh, I was able to establish this plan to get rid of debt. I consolidated this debt. I sold, you know, this to help pay for this. And, you know, we downsized. Whatever it is, you need to walk the land. Same way with marriage. If you want to improve your land, your marriage, God is telling you, hey, you need to improve your marriage. Walk the land. You can't just say, hey, we need to improve our marriage. I agree. Great. <laughs> it takes more than that. You need to become familiar with it. Like whenever in your marriage, you need to identify areas in your marriage when things start to heat up. Maybe you have some sort of code signs. You know, we, we're, we've been watching baseball. I grew up in, in, uh, in Houston, and so we're rooting on the Astros. And, and so you, you see as, as the batter is getting ready to, to go up to the plate, I mean, there's all kinds of signs that they're giving. Maybe you need to create some sort of sign, you know, like, hey, get away from me, or be, I'm about to explode. Whatever it takes. But, but those areas... Those times in your marriage where, where things are about to get heated, you need to know when that happens. That's called walking the land. Become familiar with that. And that's just one example in your marriage. And you can apply different things. Ask God to show you, what does it mean to walk my land of the area you've called me to go? What does it mean uh, to do that? And God will show you that. So you need to walk your land. You know, I, I love how this is fitting so timely. <laughs> it fits so timely with our church. Because last Sunday, you know what we did? We walked our land. We walked our land. You say, it's not our land. Uh, we haven't paid for it yet, but it's our land. Other people lived in the land that God promised Abram, but God said, it's your land. And so we walked our land, right here in Emerson, last Sunday. And I loved it. Because as we were walking the land, people got a, a, a prayer card. And, and, and many of y'all were there. You got a prayer card and you were walking, you were praying. And then you got a, um, a smaller card that you were able to write the name of at least one person that you want to see saved through the blood of Christ on our property. And so you uh, wrote that name down, maybe several names. And I loved as I was walking the land to be able to see different people just walking the land or huddling down in the circles and praying together as, as families. And I loved that image. 
And, and I believe if I were able to talk to some of you today who were there last Sunday, you can say, I love how in this section of the land on the west side, there's this huge patch of trees, lots of mature trees. We could do lots of stuff with, with, with that. That's where the trail's gonna you know, possibly go or, or whatever. And over here, I like how it, it rises up a little bit to the right you know, and, and, and towards the south of the property, there's a creek that goes down through there. And in the middle section, it's flat. And I mean, there's, you could describe the land. You know why? Because you walked it. You walked the land. And so God told us to walk the land. But you know, before the land happened, you know, you know what God told me to do? God told me to remove the distractions. God told me to remove the distractions. Just like when Lot and Abram decided to separate from one another, they removed the distractions. You know when I removed the distractions? This past summer, I went on a six-week sabbatical. I removed the distractions of work. And you know what happened? God put into motion the whole thing about the land. And it's then and there that God spoke to, to me and then to our elders and, and on down the line. And so God will honor that. So remove the distractions and walk the land. Be able to describe your situation. To be able to describe your plan that God has for you. Another thing um, that Abram did um, at, there at the end of that passage, he says there he built an altar to the Lord. What you want to do is you want to dedicate your land. You want to dedicate your, your land. You want your, your, your land of new marriage, of an improved marriage, okay? An improved marriage or, or improved emotional stability or improved health or improved finances, whatever that is, your new land you want to dedicate it to the Lord. You want to say, God, I'm going to do this in honor of your name. I'm going to do this, and I'm going to dedicate it to you, God. This, this area in my life, I'm going to dedicate it to you. That's what Abram did. He built an altar to the Lord. We did that last Sunday. We didn't build an altar, but we dedicated the land to the Lord. You know how we did it? Those prayer cards, we put it in a time capsule, stuck a shovel on the ground and we put that time capsule right in and buried it as a sign. Lord, we're dedicating this land to you. Here are the prayers of people that need you in the ground, dedicated in the ground. What are you doing to dedicate your new land, your journey? What are you doing have you dedicated your land? Have you dedicated your heart? Have you dedicated your calendar? Have you dedicated your focus on this new land that God has shown you on this journey? But you know what? It's, it's not all about the land. It's so much bigger than that. You know, one day when Abram was walking the land Later on in, in, in chapter 15, God spoke to his heart and gave this important uh, message. 
here in Genesis chapter 15, verse five and six, it says this. He, God, took him outside and said, so he called him, said, Abram, go, go outside. Maybe go out, out of your tent. Or, and obviously it was at night because he said, look up at the sky, count the stars. If indeed you can count them, then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. Meaning God considered Abram a righteous man just because he believed God. I believe you, God. Even though I don't have a son, <laughs> I, don't have, I don't have any children, and I'm really old, but I believe you, God, that the offspring is going to be as, as many as the stars in the sky. So what God has done now at this point, God has saying, look, okay, I've shown you the land, you've walked the land, you could describe the land, but let me tell you something. Um, it's, it's more than just the land. I'm not giving you the land. You're not, you're not gonna be a land developer. That's not what I want you to do. I want you to be the father of a great nation. So it's, it's more than the land. Look at the sky. Look at the stars. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. It's about your offspring. It's about your offspring. It's about the nation I'm going to form through you. It's bigger than that. Offspring is the stars. The land God showed Abram was not the final destination of his promise. Sure, it was a part of the package, but it wasn't the destination. The destination was the offspring. So let me ask you this question. Who is the offspring? Who is the offspring? It's interesting to note in this passage, the word offspring, back in Genesis 15, we just read, you know what it means? It means seed. One seed, not seeds. The word offspring is not plural, it's singular. It's singular. Paul explains in Galatians chapter three, verse 16, it says the promises were spoken. And just so you know, this, this is like a thousand years later. So this is the New Testament, the apostle Paul, uh, you know, and, and so he's, this is after Jesus and he says this, the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. Scripture does not say, and to seeds, meaning many people, but and to your seed, meaning one person who is Christ. Then he goes on to say in verse 26 to 29, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through what? Through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there any male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Faith 
In Jesus is the seed. What was the journey? What was the destination for Abram? It was his faith. It was his faith. Faith in Jesus Christ. Ultimately, Jesus Christ, the seed. But faith in Jesus, that is the seed. Jesus is the seed. So what does that make us? What does that make us? If, if, we're, if, if it's more than just the offspring, and yeah, Abraham had, you know, Father Abraham had many sons, many sons had Father Abraham, remember the song? Okay. And so, yeah, he, had, he went on and was a father of a great nation, absolutely. But it was bigger than that. God was pointing to Christ. God was pointing to Jesus. So what does that make us? First of all, as believers, we are included with Christ. We are included with Christ. In Ephesians chapter one, verse 13, it says, you and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit. So we are included in that as we are with Christ. Now look what the Apostle Paul wrote in Philippians chapter two, verse 14 through 15. Now listen up, this is huge. So do everything without grumbling and arguing. He kind of goes on to talk about what he was talking about before then. But look at verse 15. So that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation, get this, then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. Who are we in Abraham's story? We're the stars. We're the stars. The church, the church is the stars. What God said, look up to the night sky Count the stars. Can't count them, can you? You know what he had? Abraham had in his mind, man, I'm had a lot of kids. Yeah, he, yes. But God, you know what God had on his mind? According to what we just read? He had the church in his mind. Count the stars, Abram. Because your seed, not offspring, not plural, your seed, the seed of faith, the seed of faith in Jesus Christ is going to produce lots of offspring. It's going to produce the church. So we are the stars. We are the stars in that night sky. The church is the fulfillment of God's promise to Abram. The church is the fulfillment of God's promise to Abram. Abram's probably up in heaven going, oh, yeah, you know, I get it now. Yeah, okay, good. I mean, not just because I said that, you know, but he knows. We are his descendants, not by blood, but by, we are the descendants of faith by the blood of Jesus. We are the stars in the sky. So let's bring that back to, to Lake Point Church. I like to try to bring that back to our congregation to our family because what what does it mean about us 
The journey destination of Lake Point Church is not the land. Just like Abram. God showed him the land. Say, okay, look at this land, look at it. Okay, it's great, great. Now, now I want you, now stop looking at the ground. Now I want you to look up at, this, at the stars because that's what it's about. That's what it's about. So with Lake Point Church, it's not about the land. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're not going to purchase the land and say we have arrived. Hey, we have this land, great. Now we can walk it and we can farm it and we can have, you know, camp, camp, camp house on it or whatever. We're not gonna build buildings and say this is what the journey is about. We've arrived. It's so much bigger than that. Just like Abram, our journey is about the stars in the sky. The people that need to be rescued from their sin and have new life in Christ. That is what this whole journey with Lake Point Church is about. It's not about the land. Yeah, we need to buy the land. God's gonna provide it. He's already given it to us. And yeah, we need to build some buildings and yes, God's gonna provide and as we're praying through that, yes, but it's so much bigger than that. It's about those people who are not yet shining as stars in the sky, who do not have Christ as Savior, who have not surrendered their life to Christ. You know what it makes me want to do? It makes me want to go to our land at night and look up at the, at the night sky. Feel free to do that. Just hop the fence. Be careful. But, but go out there and just look up at the night sky and say, that is why we're here. It's about the people who need Jesus. Where do we begin? Well, just like Abram, it takes one seed. One. Abram only had one son. He only had one faith. One faith. He didn't have faith in other gods. and He had one faith. One son, one faith, one seed. The time capsule full of prayers that we put in the ground represents one seed of faith buried in the ground of our land. Just like putting that seed in the ground. Lord, by faith, we believe. Because these people in this time capsule that we buried this seed, they're gonna be stars as they come to Christ. They're gonna be part of the church. During this journey, that we're on as a church. We will be one church, one mission to reach people with the gospel, one chair at a time. That's what we're about. One chair at a time. We will be one church, one mission to reach people, one chair at a time. That's what this journey is all about. Yeah, the land's great. Whatever buildings might be great. In, in, a, few, in a couple of weeks, we're gonna reveal a master plan of this land. It's gonna be exciting. You don't wanna miss that. And it's, it's exciting. But y'all, we gotta keep the focus on what it's really, really about. So how can we apply this to your journey? How can we apply this to our journey? 
your improved marriage or your improved finances or your improved health, it's not the final destination of your journey. It's not. It's the lives that will be affected by your healthy marriage. It will be the lives that are affected by your strong finances. It will be the lives affected by your trusting friendship. It will be the lives affected by you being a courageous dad, by you being a loving mom. Whatever journey you have and whatever destination it is, whatever that land is, yeah, that's great, but it's not just about that. It's about how it affects other people. So the journey that God has you on, it's not just about you. It's about others around you. It's about others around you. And and once you see that, it makes it that much more important. It's not about me. It's about them. And just like God told Abram, he's a righteous man because what? He believed in me. That's all it takes is a belief in God. And, 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 and now with the, with the New Testament and Jesus coming in and taking our sin, you know what it takes? It just takes a belief. Just believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and, and, and confess your sins and, and walk in newness of life. Sometimes we complicate that. God's saying, look, it's really easy. Jesus said, I did the hard part. I lived a sinless life. I was beaten. I hung on the cross. I died. I did all those things. I did the hard part. All you do is you open the door. If you were to have a house and you have builders build the house, they do the hard part. All you do get the key, you open the door, and you walk in. That's all God wants to do. But you have to open the door. You have to open the door.